not been for a place called Mount Calvary. And had it not been for the old rock and cross, and had it not been for a How many are glad for that man called Jesus? Have you ever thought where you'd be if it wasn't for him? Amen. If he didn't have his eye on you, it wasn't us chasing him. He was running after us. And even when we err, he still comes after us. Oh, there's no one like Jesus. No one like him at all. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Greet you all. See a number of our visitors again with us. Next week we're going to have a lot more visitors, but we see some that are here, some that have come from different places. I don't know if we, we announced you coming back, Sister Anne, a couple weeks ago, but it's nice to have you here again. And uh, I saw, I think Sister Winnie is here somewhere, and she's here as well. There she is. God bless you. And uh, see a few other visitors. If I don't mention you by name, please forgive me. Also good to see Brother Dwayne and Sister Angie here. God bless you. They've been overseas uh, in Newfoundland, actually. Um, I think it was a couple of Sundays ago. I, I sometimes get the feed. Their services start three and a half hours earlier than ours do. And uh, I know Brother Dwayne and Sister Angie they traveled overnight. And... Um, and uh, they were in service. They arrived there early in the morning, and they were in service a couple hours later after taking a red-eye flight. And not only that, she sang a special. Not both of them, just she did. But I uh, just wanted to clarify that. So, But God bless you for your sacrifice, and I know it was a blessing to the saints that were there. Amen. Just listen, why don't you have your seat for a moment? Just have a couple announcements I would like to make. And... Um, also happy to see my mother here this morning, and my brother is in, back in Edmonton, and he brought her, and he's here too, and we're happy for her. She's, uh, maybe eternity will one day reveal all that she has been to me and to many in the body, maybe not known, but we are appreciative of her life in Christ. Today we have the morning service. We're going to this evening, have Brother Max ministering for us, and while Brother Max is ministering here, Brother John Perizok will be ministering over at Brother Jerry Fury's tonight, so we keep both these brothers in prayer. Also tonight here, Lord willing, we're going to have a baptism. One of our young men, God's been dealing with his heart, and he wants to be baptized, so it's Brother Joseph Ugbu, and uh, Brother Mike is here. He'll be traveling this week back to Fort McMurray. I think, Brother Marco, you're traveling back. And now, Brother Seth, I think you're traveling back. And it's a good thing you brothers got each other up there, you know, just can help each other. This next week, there'll be no Wednesday service. Um, rather, we'll, we'll be having our special meetings Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're all familiar with the times. We also have a youth meeting Saturday 
and a minister's meeting Saturday morning. Sunday afternoon, the Lord willing, weather providing, we'll be having a picnic at 4.30 at the Dodds, at Brother Andrew, Sister Melissa, and um, then we'll be having some maps available for that to get out there if you need to. Um, also, with the meetings coming up, and I'd made mention of this before, our parking is limited. If you're young and able-bodied, or if you're not, and you want to be identified with a young and able-bodied, and you can park a little further away, there's parking up the street, there's a parking lot at the park, and then also we're making arrangements to use the church at the end um, for the first three meetings. That's the Thursday, Friday, Saturday meetings. There's a parking lot at that church. And then also there's a school at the end. So we'll have maps that maybe are a little bit more detailed of that and uh, show you that. But if you can just keep that in mind and you can help those that are visiting. I know we've been speaking to a few brothers. There's many coming from Grand Prairie or Calgary, some from Saskatchewan, some from the United States and different places. So we're looking for the Lord to move. And we have needs in our midst. And if you have a need and... You want to just be taking a little time, just remember that. We're, we're not having a prayer meeting on, on Tuesday, but if you in your home, maybe you want to take a little time and you just want to just set yourself aside, maybe take an hour somewhere and just go before the Lord specifically for the meetings. And we do that. We unite together in our homes and our places, and you can do that for a little while on Tuesday. I'll be doing that. I want to just set myself before the Lord as well so we can do that. Also, we have a few visitors coming. Some are going to be staying, some that maybe don't have a place. And if you have a little room at your home and you want to be able to say they're welcome to stay or you can maybe give a little instruction, we got room for a couple or whatever, maybe let us know at the office here. That would be beneficial. And we can, we can the Lord willing, we can do that, okay? And also, if people are here, be friendly. If you can invite somebody, make them your visitor, and they don't see it, let's just be brotherly. How many have gone somewhere and they've been blessed by somebody who's been hospitable to them? I think as Christians, we have one of the most amazing groups of people across the world. That same spirit that was in Christ is in a body of people around the world. And you can meet somebody and, and be with them together for a weekend. It's like you've known each other for a long time. Not because of culture, not because of those things, but because of the Spirit of God. So we're grateful for that. All right, let's, that's finishing our announcements. Let's just uh, stand together if we can. And uh, maybe we can sing this song, Jesus, Lamb of God. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name, Jesus,
just playing softly we bow our heads this morning Heavenly Father standing together here this morning coming together Lord some little thing in our heart that we can't always understand but it pulls us it's something that we can't maybe say in our flesh or even in our spirit sometimes but it's a little tug Lord and we're so grateful it's there Father so this morning we've come, Lord. Lord, there's a part of this service that we as individuals can fulfill our attendance, our post of duty. We can stand, we can sing songs, we can amen. Lord, we can preach the word. But Lord, there's another part of this service that only you can fulfill. Lord, only you can speak to the heart. Only you can fulfill or fill the empty places. Only you can heal the broken parts, Lord. Only you can fill with the Holy Ghost, Lord. Only you can do these things. And Father, we're looking for you to do that part. And Lord, for us now, as we do our part, we present our vessels. Lord, we confess there's no good thing in any one of us. But Lord, you are the one that we look to this morning. So Father, we ask you come as we're here this morning with diversity of needs. Lord, with many other things, but Lord, we're also here to worship you and praise you. To stand in faith with our brother and our sister. Lord, we're pilgrims and we're strangers in this world. And Lord, you've brought us together, but this morning... Would you come, Lord, help us, give us grace for the journey that we may fulfill that which you have for us. Father, grant it now. Bless us together as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you to musicians. Let's just go directly to our Bible. Colossians chapter 1. Now it's nice to see Brother Frank here. Brother Frank, God bless you. Good to have you here. There's others that sometimes can't make it regularly, the infirmed, and Sister Hilda Laval, I think of her, and different ones. We just remember them. Sister Shelley, good to see you. It was good to see her here again. Sister Helen, they were sick, and God just touched them this last week. We thank the Lord for those things. Colossians 1, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, how are you going to speak of anything in this world without talking about him? He's the air we breathe. He's the sun that shines. He is the trees. He's the flowers. He's the animals. He's our breath. He's our life. He's everything to us. I, I believe sometimes we don't give him enough credit. And I believe one day we'll see how much he really has been. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Ephesians chapter 1, go back a couple of verses, a couple of chapters and verses. Ephesians chapter 1, we'll just pick up a couple of verses. Verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So he is, it's all by him, for him, because of him. But then he includes us in that picture. Oh, how grateful we ought to be. I'm grateful. I remember many times we would be in the back office and the last year's Brother Harold, he would often pray, Lord, thank you that you've made us part of your end time plan. I'm so grateful for that. Let's just drop down to verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is his exceeding great greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Let's just go to the end of the chapter. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he hath put all things under his feet, 
and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'll ask you also just to keep your Bible open as we turn to a few scriptures. I'll go immediately to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. Maybe it's a little bit of reading, but just stay with me as we get just to a thought. I need to have a little bit of a foundation or a little bit of a runway this morning, but I want to get to a few things, but set it in the basis of the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. Then comes the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. And when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subject unto him, then shall the Son himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Now I used those in the reading several times in the Bible, those three words, the all in all, and that'll be the subject of the service this morning. I want to speak on the all in all. We could have spoken the A capital L, A capital A, A capital L, A capital L in all. Because he is the all in all. And, and we just want to take that. On, on Wednesday we played the tape, Oneness of Unity. Were you blessed by that? That was such a blessing to me. It's a parallel to what Satan, Satan always parallels what God is doing. And when God is bringing a unity, Satan is bringing a unity. There are two spirits that are in the earth today. They're two separate opposing forces, and they are both working against each other. And yet it looks like, it might be that Satan, it looks like has the upper hand, but what God is doing is sometimes done in a secret place, and it's not apparent what he's doing. But we want to be able to allow him to work in our midst. So there's been a threefold purpose. This is in Christ, the mystery of God revealed. Brother Branham would say, if you ever fail, come back to this message. And it was in that message he spoke to us. And he said, a word to the church. And he told us, hey, the, the enemy will come. Don't think for a moment the, the enemy just comes by this tabernacle and says, oh, I'll just pass by because that's an anti-message church. Actually, that's on his radar. Your, your home is on his radar. He is busy working. But on the other hand, God is not sitting idle either. And the believers are not sitting idle. We are also laboring. We are also burdened. We are also looking to see him. But the threefold purpose was, one, to reveal himself in Christ, two, to gain the preeminence in a people, and three, to restore the church back to their position in the Garden of Eden. Now, that purpose of God, and I, I know these things sometimes roll off of our minds. Can I just, can I just share just something? Let's just, 
let's not just put them way out there. Let's, let's just enter into the thought of it. Did you know that we're sitting together this morning? In, in, we are in the best position naturally that the church has ever been. We can come and gather in a tabernacle. We can come, not like the saints of old, which had to hide in rocks and caves, which were under persecution. We can come and sit freely. We can hear the music. We can hear the, 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 the revealing of what God has given us in this last hour. We, we, our, our hardships are maybe the temperature is too hot or too cold. Maybe it's that the, 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 the seats are too hard, or maybe it's, it's that I didn't get the place I wanted. What are we going to do when we meet the saints of the other ages? When they ask, what did you go through? What did you struggle with? Well, naturally speaking, we have the best we've ever had. But spiritually speaking, we are in the greatest battle ever fought. Because right now, as you've come to church, as you've, this last week, as you've served God, you fought the enemy in your mind, you fought him in, in, you had to cast him down, you had to cast aside feelings, you had to put all these things aside to come to church this morning. God bless you for being here. We're a part, we're, we're in a battle like no other battle, but it's unseen. I'm thankful for the tabernacle. I'm thankful for the message. I'm thankful for the things we have, air conditioning and heat and different things. But let's not take it for granted. And let's not take the message for granted. These words, these quotes that we have, that we read, that we try to bring, don't let them just hit up here. God, just make them more real to me this morning. Now, it, 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 he would say, and I, if I can just say, there's a big picture to what God's doing, but I also want to say God's in the details. And he is, in the, in the tape that we heard on Wednesday, you know, there's, there was, there's a kingdom that's forming, Satan's kingdom, going back to Babylon, but God's also forming a kingdom. And the prophet would bring it right down to our level, where we need to be all baptized with one spirit. By, by one mind. We need to come together in one unity. Not a forced unity. But a unity when we're looking at him. When we see him before us, it, we can't help but be drawn. You know, your, your, your brother that you may not see eye to eye with is baptized under the same blood that you're baptized with. By the same spirit that you're baptized with. So the main focus is not what he sees and I see, but we're under the same token. We're under the same banner. And that ought to be the focus. So the purpose of God can never be defeated. The purpose of God for Jesus Christ can never be defeated. The enemy has, from the Garden of Eden, has tried to destroy the seed that God said would be the seed of the woman, and that seed of the woman would prevail, would bruise the head of the serpent, sorry, would, would step over the head of the serpent and it would bruise his heel. And from that moment, Satan has tried to destroy that seed. And that seed was Jesus Christ. He tried to destroy it in Abraham, in Joseph. He tried to destroy it, Cain and Abel. Sorry, he tried to destroy it in Abel. He tried to destroy it all through the, always looking, trying to destroy it. And now that that seed has been manifest, we are part of that seed. We are Christ. And, and that enemy is still against us today. 
How many would say this is a battle like no other battle that we've ever had? But you know what? We've got a God like no other God that we've ever had. So he'll say, in the Garden of Eden, as soon as Satan heard that God would promise the woman a blessed seed, he took to destroy that seed. He tried to do that in Joseph. He tried to do that through every age. He's still against that seed. Now, Watch those two seeds, he said. One fighting, the devil trying to destroy the righteous seed. One trying, he tried to destroy Abel. He but God raised up Seth. Everywhere you look, he cornered that seed. John the Baptist, his head cut off. There he was when he found out about the birth of Jesus. He slew all the babies. And Moses, he tried to kill Moses. He's tried every way to destroy that seed. He killed Christ at Calvary. But God raised him up again. And then he sent the Holy Ghost down to call sons and daughters to God. And that same evil religious seed is persecuting the righteous seed yet today. Friends, it's happening. Don't think it's just happening out there. That devil will even come. Listen, we're dealing with spirits many times. We're not dealing, don't label the person that's saying they're evil, but sometimes there's spirits at work, and we need to recognize greater is he that is in me. The spirit that is in me will prevail. I believe that with all my heart. Brother Bram would say the world is coming to a great showdown. It's being gripped by two great forces, two great religious forces. And it says there, the world is seriously gripped in these forces today. He says, both of them use the word of God, but one of them, it says, it works on an intellectual or a realm of knowledge, but Satan uses it from a head knowledge, but it won't work. You know the one thing Satan can't impersonate? He can't humble himself because that's only God. The Spirit of God can only do that. Satan can't do what you can do. He can't repent. You're greater than him right off the bat there. He can't do it. So all these things coming to a great showdown, it has to be this way, but God is preparing himself to show Back on the same grounds as it was in the Garden of Eden, and we're a part of that, God is going to show himself the victor. Now, I want to just, if I can, I want to bring it this way for a moment, because the word is so, the, our lives are so designed individually that we can't fulfill everything ourselves. We, we as a people can't even fulfill it a, we can't do it individually. B, we can't do it without Christ. C, we can't do it until the body comes into a unity. Now, that'll, that'll be the gist of my thought. But I want to take this part because God knew it would be that way, and he has typed it all through the Bible. The seventh seal that we believe that we're under, that seventh seal, the prophet would say, the seventh seal has been revealed in every type in the Bible, starting from the book of Genesis. Now, if I can just say this, there's many thoughts on the seventh seal, and I'm not going to, it's not the focus of where I'm going today. But even Brother Branham, he said, I want to speak on a fold of it, 
And he talked about three aspects. I want to speak on a fold of it when he spoke on the seventh seal. And then he says, there's another part that he showed me, which I'll, I won't speak on. And there's a third part, which was in an unknown, unknown language and I couldn't understand. Now, the prophet himself didn't have all of this at his disposal. But he was under Christ, the Lamb, who alone can break the seven seals. So there's a part that it wasn't all in Brother Branham's head. He was an instrument. And there's a part in every one of us. We don't know all things. The minister that's speaking to you doesn't know all things. He's a tool in the hand of God. Uh, we as one another, we might know things intellectually, but we really don't know all things. You're going to get up to heaven one day, and I believe in the first five minutes in heaven, we'll know more in five minutes than we knew on our earthly journey. Because it'll be so real. Now I see everything. Why it had to be that way. So I, I want to just take that because something is happening. You know, my wife shared a little podcast with me yesterday. And I was out on the lawn tractor listening to it a little bit. And as I was listening to it, it was amazing to me. It was a documentary and it talked about advertising in the last 100 years, and how advertising has been geared to even the women, the women that were homemakers in the early uh, years, and how it was all, and it was, it was amazing when Brother Adam would make a little comment, the age we live in is a woman's age. He says it that way. America is, is under, under 13. That's the number of a woman in the Bible. Now, it, if we could see, if we could see how Satan has worked methodically, step by step. Friends, it, we didn't get here where we've got transgender, homosexuality. The battles that we've got today did not happen overnight. But they came in gradually, step by step, the enemy working on the minds of the people, working through the medium of Hollywood, working through the science of the fourth dimension, working on all of these things. It's been the enemy. I'm so glad because all I can say is if God hadn't left a seed, I too would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. I would not, I, I shudder to think of where I'd be without Christ. And you can say, well, I'm so glad I've got the message. Now I'm safe. I've got that. Listen, that'll keep you so far. But if you don't have that Christ living in you, you're finding you're going to fail somewhere. I'm going to fail somewhere. We need that Christ. Now, I, do you believe that? I need you more than I've ever needed you, Lord. Brother Bannon would say it's crept in so gradually. He's talking about how women have gone from wearing a skirt to wearing shorts to wearing these skin-tight things. And he says, it was insanity at one time. If it was at one time, it is today. He says, the whole thing is insane. It's crept in gradually till the people don't know it. Now, let's not just say, I'm immune from that. That devil comes on our thinking. Why do I need to be in prayer. Why do I need to be under the spout of the Holy Ghost? Because I know nothing as I ought to know. I need to know Him. Now, Brother Branham would talk about his spirit of lawlessness, and he says the whole world is heading to a climax. The spirit of lawlessness has led to the cage of every hateful and unclean bird, and he references 
uh, Revelations 18, verse 1 to 4, which the prophet would say, Come out of her, my people. Be not partakers of her sins. What's he talking about? The whole religious system that's out there. There was a time when it was okay. Go to church, do those things. But I'll say that time is not no more. Now it doesn't mean you can't love somebody in there. But you can't sit there and just partake of that. It has become the table. I don't want to, you know, the Bible says it clearly. Every table has become as vomit. God doesn't accept that anymore. But yet there's good people there. God give me the balance to do it. He says now, he says, think about that. Revelations 18, 1 to 5. And he says, that brings the church back to Revelations 3, 14. Lawlessness, real religious, but lawless, rich, need of nothing. Knowing they're, they're naked, miserable, blind, don't know it. Perfectly the scripture of this age. Notice here, he says, let this soak real deep. I may have much disagreement, but it's got to a place where a Christian can hardly walk out of his house and not be brought into the presence of this evil age by unsufficiently dressed women. We, we have a saying sometimes, you know, it's summer and you like to go out and the weather's nice and the sun is shining and, and you go out and you come and stroll by a lake and, you know, my wife is always a little bit shy of animals or bears or things and so I'll say man there's a lot of bears out today where where this is not those kind of bears b-a-r-e and that's that's a sad thing I tell you what I look for a place that can be as far away with most of it let me be out where God is I don't want to be by contaminated by all of these things the prophet would, would go on to say, we're on the verge of one of the mightiest things that's ever struck the earth since the days of the Lord Jesus. And he says, what God calls mighty, God calls an abomination. The only thing that can be known, it will be so humble. He says, now watch what man calls foolish, God calls mighty. Now watch it, it'll be so humble that you'll miss it if you haven't got the token there to examine it. See? See? That's, that's how you, he puts it. And that's in the message Desperations. Now, if, if I take the types and the thought, and the prophet would say, look at every scripture in the Bible, and if you don't see Christ in it, go back and read it again. So in other words... He was the law. He was the prophets. He was the temple and the order, the, the, the three stages of the temple, the outer, the inner, the holy place. And, 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 and Brother Brown would say he was too great to be revealed to our natural man, so God had to unfold it over time. And, and, and what it does is it puts us in an expectation for what he will do next. So when we begin to read in, 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 in the Garden of Eden, there was two trees. And these two trees, one was the tree of knowledge, one was the tree of life. And, and the prophet would say, these two trees, they grew up together. Now they weren't just trees figuratively as a symbol, but he says they were actually to people or represented to people. One was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the other was the tree of life, which was Christ. And these trees, their branches intertwine together. Yeah. 
is how he would put it. Now, you, you can say that and you can have an understanding how, you know, we, we spoke a couple of services, when God comes, then Satan comes also. We spoke on discerning the working of another spirit. So we got to recognize the devil will come. But we are, we've also been empowered with something. So now he says, Christ, Christ was that tree of life. But when man partook of the tree of knowledge, when Adam and Eve, when, when Eve engaged in an affair with the serpent, when he, she engaged with that, she broke the law of God. She broke it. The penalty set in. Adam, by love, cleaved to her, and they were outside the promise of God. Now, that tree of life, God put a hedge about it and said, and, and he put cherubims at the east of the garden and says, Let's keep these cherubims, let's hide from man, lest they partake of that tree. So that tree was Christ, so it was hidden from them. But God was wanting to show it to man, so he began to let out in part and build back up to that tree. And so every type in the Bible, there was, you can take the type of Isaac. Isaac was a type of Jesus Christ. The only begotten son of, of Abraham, the only son, the heir of the promise. And God tells him to go up and kill him. Now, it was a type of Jesus Christ. But the type wasn't fully complete in Isaac because he, he wasn't killed. That was reserved for Christ. So there's a part to everything that's reserved to an end condition. In, 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 in the book of Genesis, when, when Moses was, sorry, Moses, uh, Moses wrote the book of Genesis, but he wrote about Noah building an ark. And Noah built an ark. He had the right specifications. He had the right technical data. But if you examine the technical data, that boat would never float. It needed one more thing. Gopher wood would sink. It was porous. It was full of holes. But what was the answer? The answer was the pitch. The pitch on the outside. The pitch on the inside. That represented Christ. Friends, if we would just take the message in our own carnality, we'll never, we'll never float in this age. But when you pour Christ in, then your boat will float. When you put him into your prayer life, when you put him into your conversation, when you put him into your prayers, when you keep him before you. He is our all in all. Isaac didn't completely fulfill the type. Joseph was a type of Christ. Abraham was faith. Isaac was, was, I don't know if I got it right now, if it was love or grace. Jacob, Jacob was grace, sorry. Isaac was love. Jacob was grace. Joseph was perfection. But he wasn't really perfect. Brother Brandon would say he had one scratch against him. The scratch was when he, he told a lie to Jacob, he said, don't say that you're herdsmen because to an Egyptian you're an abomination. So Joseph didn't completely fulfill the type of Christ. But it was a type of one to come. So the end fulfillment of every type was going to be Christ. He was going to be 
in Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He was going to be in Ezekiel, the wheel in the middle of the wheel. He was going to be in Moses, the prophet that God would raise up in the last day. He was going to be showing up in Moses when God told Moses, separate yourself from that people. And Moses began to argue with God, no, don't do it, God. And the prophet wondered, how could Moses tell God a better thing to do and then God would hearken to it? And then he says, it wasn't Moses, it was Christ in Moses. What was it that was in Esther? Because that was another part. It was Esther who was a type of a bride. There, there's all the Old Testament types of the masterpiece, which was Christ. But there's also we were represented in there too. So all of these things had an unfulfilled part. There was something that wasn't always there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. Are you here this morning? Some of you may have been out camping or by a campsite, and maybe you were uh, just up late or whatever you were doing, but you know what, we're here, just let's have church for another 45 minutes or so, and let's just enjoy the Word. Let's feed our souls. There's a hunger that's in our souls. God drop something in that'll help me this week. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1, talking about the Old Testament. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they did all eat the same spiritual meat. And they did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. Now did they see Christ in the wilderness? No. But there was a rock that was there. When they were in a desert, they, they, needed, they needed water to drink. Moses, speak to the rock. Now, now it, it, let me back up a sec. But that rock brought forth. Now, Moses himself broke the type. Because there was a time before he smote the rock. Now, the second time he was told to speak to the rock. But he smote the rock, but God still brought it forth. But because of that, Moses could not cross into the promised land. Oh, friends, when we look at, at the scene that was there in Revelations chapter 5, here is the book that is, that is about to be opened. No one is worthy to open the book. No one is worthy to look upon that book. And who is standing there? There's Moses. There's David. There, there's all the prophets. There, Joseph. All of them are there. Not one of them was worthy. But then the cry came forth, Behold the Lamb. There, the, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And a Lamb came forward. What was it, Christ? He's still the one that's worthy today. Hey, we sang that song, Is He Your All in All? Friends, we're going to go along this journey, and we're all going to disappoint one another. We're going to look, and we're going to, hey, you'll disappoint your wife sometime. Your wife will disappoint you sometimes. You'll be disappointed by brethren in church. You'll be disappointed by ministry sometimes. Not one of us is perfect, but he's perfect. And that's the one we're looking to. So don't, don't, don't start looking too far at a man. Or don't, you know, you, you, our tendency is we can, we can lift up only to fall down. But God wants to keep our eyes on him. And then don't look down. Because 
you start looking down and, 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 and you're going to go into the wrong place too. Remember, if their sin is confessed and they're under the blood of Christ, you know, I, I, I don't know what it was like that day. Can you imagine all the disciples? They walked with Peter and Peter was always the boisterous one and Peter was the one who, who always gave his opinion and, and Peter said, you know, he was always the one who just stepped out, I alone and I know this. And, and they, they must have been sick of Peter after a while. And then after Peter denied him, on top of that, they denied him. And I, I've always viewed it this way. I've always thought, Lord, you know, the Lord had mercy on Peter. But it was more than just mercy on Peter because he told, he told the disciples, he says, go tell my disciples, he told them at the, at the resurrection, go tell my disciples and Peter. Because, hey, this may have gone, you can take this a number of different places. It, Peter needed to know that he was still in the economy of God. But the disciples needed to know because they had lots of ought against Peter. There's no way that guy is ever going to make it through. No. Jesus said, go tell my disciples and Peter. Maybe you actually have to tell the angels. Because the angels themselves said, he's still in the economy of God? Yeah, he's still in the economy of God. Listen, it had to be that way. And then on the day of Pentecost, who is the spokesman that stands up there? That, that says, men and brethren, what must we do? And Peter stood up. In our natural thinking. Now you ask yourself, how would I have felt when God called Peter to st stand up, the same guy that denied the Lord? Hey, would you have said, yeah, that, he's called of God. He's blessed of God. No, there would have been a, something churning inside. That guy? How can that guy be the guy? Yeah, he was the guy. <laughs> he was, hey, are you with me this morning? Is this real to you this morning? Friends, we're coming into maturity. Hallelujah. Sitting here this morning, we're, 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 we, as we heard on the tape, we're coming into a oneness of unity. And the prophet would say, uh, if we could get every thought into subjection to him. And even this morning, you've had thoughts. I wonder who Brother Ed's preaching against. I wonder what this means. I wonder what that means. And, and we're thinking all these thoughts. You know what we need to do? It's the same thing you do when you drive to church and you run into construction or you run into poor drivers. Just blank it out. I'm coming to church. I'm not going to let that set me back. You come into church sometimes. That wasn't, hey, there was no specials this morning. What's going on with that? Thank God the sister Lisa was here. <laughs> and, and, and that can throw somebody off for the whole service. Listen, let's put everything aside, humanity aside, and say, we got one focus this morning. That focus is Christ. Let him be all in all. That means you're going to have to put aside some things sometimes. Hey, if it's all up to me, we're going to miss it. Somebody's going to be out. If it was all up to you, somebody's going to miss it too. But it's up to him. And he knows how we have to do it, and we subject ourselves to him. Is this all right this morning? Brother Ed, where'd that come from? I don't know. So that was Moses who broke the type. And Moses was the great leader God, Brother Brandon would say this, God should have killed him when he went down there to glorify himself by smiting the rock. You rebels must, we fetch you water from this rock. He smote it and the waters didn't come. He smote it again. 
He was testifying of the weakness of Christ. Moses himself was testifying of a weakness in faith. That's the headstone. Instead of smiting it or speaking to it. Now I, I could read more out of this, but I need to move the service along a little bit here. Of all the types in the Bible, Enoch built a pyramid, but the pyramid was never capped. The headstone was never put on, because it wasn't going to be the work of man that was going to put that headstone on. It was going to be God that put that headstone on. And it was, you know, you, you could take Brother John, I think you went to that pyramid when you were there on your honeymoon and went, went and looked at that pyramid, the great pyramid. But inside the pyramid, they're, they're, the dimensions outside are amazing. The fact that the capstone wasn't put on is amazing. But God was waiting till a time when he was going to cap it in reality. And I say it this way, we're living in that time. God will cap this. He's promised it. Every type has led to it. And you know what? You read all those types. You read all those types. And there'll come a moment. You're saying, Lord, how long is this type going to be unfulfilled? Cap it, Lord. Bring it down upon us. Why? That shouting is going to come with grace. Zachariah speaks. Grace, grace, grace. A headstone will come down. If you go into into that inner workings of the pyramid, and I don't have the diagrams here this morning, but you go into what's called a great gallery, and the gallery has seven steps in it, which speaks of seven church ages. It's a great, great big gallery. It just steps in, steps in. Seven steps. Enoch was inspired to bring this pyramid. But then you come to the end of that, this great hall, and there's a step there that's about... Three and a half feet high. You cannot make that step yourself. Enoch could make that step himself. Brother Branham, in future home, and I'm not trying to come to it so much and teach on that, but he would say that last great step that ushers you into the presence of the king. We cannot make that step ourselves. There's a part that only Christ can help us with. You're all familiar with the stature of a perfect man, and it's a pyramid. And if you look at that, it talks about the seven ages, talks about all the messengers, talks about the virtues associated with every age. Now, this applies to the age. It also applies to the individual. But it starts at faith, and it works its way up through all the virtues, knowledge, faith, Faith, sorry, knowledge, temperance, all of the different ones. It comes right on up to the last one, which is brotherly kindness. That's the age we live in. And in 1962, Brother Branham would speak the message, and he would speak the, the uh, stature of a perfect man, and then he would speak after that in the message, blasphemous names, and he talks how all of these virtues have to be there. And I, I want to just read a couple of the things he says now. He says, this last age represented brotherly love, brotherly kindness. And he said, that's the age we live in. And brotherly kindness, if you try to put it on, he, he would say, and I'm, I'm just going to read it. 
not without reading the whole quote, he, he says, you can have these virtues without even being born again. You can be naturally patient. You can be naturally, you can naturally have an element of faith. And Brother Branham would say, there's the Branham Tabernacle. He said, there's two sides to it. He says, we can, we can try to, we can, we can impersonate these things. But when you impersonate them, he says, it only causes confusion. They've got to be God-sent and God-born. You can have these in part. I'm going to have to jump ahead to, to read this. He will, he will say it this way. There's two different kinds of faith, two different kinds of virtue, two different kinds of knowledge, two different kinds of temperance. One thinks it's prohibition. That isn't the kind of temperance God is talking about. If we're not careful, we raise our children, don't do this, don't touch that, don't do this, and you, you can put such a hedge, they know everything they, don't, they ought not to do, but they don't know the person who can help them with all of this. You can do that in a church. And you can say, it's church order, it's this, it's this, it's that. And, and, and you, you do these and you have the mechanics bang on. But if the dynamics doesn't fall on that, what good is it all? So he says, patience. There's a mockery of it pretending to be a nature-given faith, a nature-given virtue. There's a nature-given temperance. All of these things are nature-given. The biggest part of our faith is mental faith. By hearing the word, it brings us to a mental recognition of the word. Are you, are you hearing me this morning? Friends, sometimes I get in prayer and I go, Lord, and you're brought into a place and say, oh God, bring us all into this place. The prophet had to come to this. Now, we all know the story. He says, here he's going to pray for a woman. He's working as a ranger. He crosses the fence to get to a field. As he crosses the field, he meets a killer bull. Now, his first instinct was reach for the gun. What's our first instinct sometimes? Our first instinct is not always the right instinct. Hey, I walked into this store the other day, and I wanted to, my, my old headphone, something had gone in one of the wires, I wanted to get a new headphone, and I just asked the lady, I said, can I try that one on? She says, no, I can't let you try that on. I says, no, I don't want to try, like, I, I realize about plugging an earpiece in, I, but it had, like, a little loop over, can I just try that on? You can watch me, and I said, no, I can't let you do that. And I, I kind of, my, my first instinct was not so good. I said, fine. And I walked away, and I thought, that wasn't right. That was not the right reaction. So I went in a day later, and I thought, forgive me, I prayed, and it was, the store was closed, so I couldn't go back, but I... The next day I walked into a store and there I saw similar headphones and the, and the guy comes to me and tells me, now granted he was a little kinder, but he, he comes and says, hey, you know that we can't you know, allow you to open those and do it. I said, I understand. And he says, but I'll tell you about this and he gave me some tips and, I, and it was different. And I thought, hey, there's a na natural reaction. 
Hey, David in the Spirit versus David not in the Spirit. Two different people. Ed in the Spirit, Ed not in the Spirit. Two different people. Put your name in there. Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting my wife at the market yesterday. And there's a guy, there's traffic everywhere at the park. First of all, I had to walk like three blocks in the heat. And, and I was, it's all this. And I'm coming to the market. And, and, and I'm coming. And there's a guy who'd pulled out into traffic and was blocking the sidewalk. And I thought, what a dumb I mean, I just, uh, sorry, that was my invoice, inner voice speaking there. <laughs> but I just thought, what a... What a guy. Like, and, and there was a, an old man pushing a little. He had to wait, and the guy was there. And, and I thought, man, you know, you know, have you driven down the road? And, and I, I missed my turn off, and I, I thought I was going to turn, and I went back in the lane, and then I turned further down. Some guy comes by me, horn on the honking. I'm going, hey, buddy, I, was just, I made a mistake. Just give me a, give me a break. And I thought, and I was ready to, man, if I get past this guy, I'll let him know. What, what are you doing? Like, you don't have to say any words, just. And I thought, this guy, and then as, as he comes closer, there was a, somebody made a little room, he nudged ahead, and he's, he's looking, you know, like, and, and I, I thought, okay, I won't say anything. And then another lady, another lady comes by and says, thank you, thank you. I said, wow, she's given him a lot of grace. But you know what, that was probably the right reaction. And how often do we, hey, I'm being open. I'm sorry if you're going to think less of me for all of this. And just for a second, remove all your halos and put them down. Because somewhere you've done something like this. <laughs> Lord, help me. <laughs> Back to the bull. Here's Brother Branham reaching for this gun. The natural reaction. And he says, something came over me. Love to an animal that snorts and stinks and was going to get him. And he says, perfect love came over him. And as he began to speak to it, love governed all. It was a higher order than human love. It was higher than justification of self. It was now tapping into something greater. We need to tap into something greater. The bees that were on his property... And he disturbed them, and they're about to come his way. And he says, love came. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. I'm a servant of God. And the bees went back in their place. The maniac that charged him. Hey, we can get so, so into it. The maniac that charged him. And, and, and the policeman holding him. And then from another realm, he begins to speak. This is not a flesh and blood affair. Let him go. Now, what people couldn't see it, but there was something greater that was governing. Do you want to have that with you? Would you like to have that with you when, when you drive down the road and some dumb cup pulls in front of you? Do you want to have that when some guy pulls into traffic and blocks the sidewalk? I, I need more of that. Do you want to have that when, 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 when somebody posts something or when somebody says something? Somebody writes something? And you're ready to, oh, here, where's caps lock? Let me write them back. No, do you, or do you want something greater? Oh, Lord. You know, the, the amazing thing about the all in all is, and, and if you look at all the types, 
What is the message? Is the message just a set of values and a book that we all try to attain to it? Is, is, is the Bible just a book that we... No, uh, it lives. It lives inside of me. Uh, it, it lived inside of Christ. It needs to live inside of us. When, when God sent a Savior for Abraham's seed, He sent a man called Joseph. And he allowed that man to be imprisoned. He allowed that man to be hated of his brethren. He allowed that man to be falsely accused. He allowed that man for 13 years to be estranged from his family. But to sit in a dungeon all the while something was being formed. Something was being formed. Why? Because God was going to use the heart of a man to make intercession. What's God doing in us? We're the bride. If we claim to be the bride, then we are here standing for somebody. We're not just here for ourselves. We are here for one another. This is what we were called to. Okay, well, if you can't quite fully endorse it, just poke your hand up or something once in a while. It will help me. The last great step, you can't make that on your own. Brotherly kindness will take you so far. But you can't go into perfect love on your own. Something has to come down. Something that we can't manufacture ourselves. Under first pull, which first and second pull were under a man anointing. And the prophet will say, our last great reformation is the Pentecostal move. Reformers were the man anointing. But there had to come something higher. That something higher was an eagle anointing. Under first and second pole, Brother Branham could show anybody, here's the sign in the hand. He could discern in the hearts. But under third pole, it was higher than all of that. And I will say it this way. He himself was not even in control. But he was yielded to where God was fully in control. I say, oh God, more of you, less of me. More of you, less of me. Take charge over this vessel. Make me more like you. Don't let it be my natural man that is working. But oh God, let it be Christ in me. My goodness, my time is just slipping away. Go with me to, I need to go to a couple of scriptures here. I need to skip a few, Brother Mark. Let's go to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. Verse 20, this is now after the flood waters had receded and Noah comes out. And Noah builded an altar to the Lord and he took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and he offered burnt offerings on the altar and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. Listen to this for eight words. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. Just, just think about this. Noah comes out and he offers an offering. Every clean beast, every clean fowl, and the Lord sees it, hears it, but smells it. 
a sweet savor. And because he, he drunk this aroma in, he says, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. Now, take this thought, and I'll jump over to Exodus chapter 29. Exodus chapter 29. Now, we can, we can get our offerings correct. We can, let's just say it this way, we can pay our tithes correctly. You know, we'll, we'll put them in, we do our offerings, we can do all of those things. We can even attend church faithfully, we can do all of those things. But associated with everything we do, there's a manner and approach with how we do it. So it would say, and I'll, I won't read this whole, you can read this also in Leviticus 1 and 2, but I'll just take Exodus 29, verse 7. This is the priest going in to offer an offering. So the priest says, Then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. So the priest had to be anointed with something that, that would, would be a part of the sacrifice. Just hear, bear me out. Drop down to verse 18. And thou shalt burn the whole ram upon the altar. It is a burnt offering unto the Lord. It is a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So it's referred to as a sweet savor. Remember how Brother Brandon would talk about how in the Old Testament the believer would come and bring a lamb and the priest would offer it and he'd lay his hand on the lamb and then as he'd lay his hand on the lamb and the priest would take the life of that innocent lamb and he said and the believer would recognize something had to take his place. And he says and then he went away from there. Now, under the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away the desire for sin. But he said they went back, and the next year it was the same thing. But there was a price to be paid with it. And after a while, it just became common. Well, we're just, ah, it's time to go get a lamb. Okay, get a lamb. Let's go down. Hands on. Okay, let's go. And he said it became a stink. A stink. In the nostrils of Jehovah. So the right act done the wrong way can become a stink. Just showing up. Ah, it's time. We better go. Ezekiel 34. Come, let us listen to the prophet. But they didn't obey the prophet. And it was, it just become like a song to them. This was from Jehovah. So the right act, but done without sincerity, done without Christ in our hearts. Oh, friends, I don't want to get there. I, 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 listen, the world hardens us enough as we go along, but oh, tender us, Lord. Soften us, Lord. Make us sweet and humble in your presence. Brother Ernie, isn't he wonderful? All of these years, and yet he gives something in you that makes you a certain way when you weep when you come into his presence. Brother Len, good to see you here. But after all these years, something still beats in your heart. What is it? It's Christ. 
What is it that still is there? And I say, oh, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. If you're still in Exodus 29 up to verse 25, and again it says these words, and you shall receive them of their hands and burn them upon the altar for a burnt offering for a sweet savor before the Lord. It is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So this thought, this resonance of a sweet savor. And I I say this because I ask myself the same question. Lord, when I come in prayer and I begin to worship you and thank you and call on your name, do you find pleasure in hearing me? Or or is it mechanical? Is it repetitiveness? And uh, let me get this over with because I got to get on my day. Or is it Lord... I just want to take these few moments. David, I think it was in Psalms 40 or 42, he said, let the lifting of my hands be as a sweet incense before you, O God. You know, when the priest would walk from the outer court to the inner court, and just before they went into the holiest of holies, the altar of incense was the last altar that was there. What was it? A fragrance, an incense. It's something that accompanies us in our worship. Christ in the center of your life is the center of your revelation. Even if you have knowledge, you say, Lord, I know nothing as I ought to know. You don't lean on knowledge. If, if, I, if I do the right form, but, but I don't have him, Lord, make it real. When I come to communion service, Lord, I don't just want to observe it and say I've done my duty. I want to enter into it. He go on to verse 41. And he talks one more time in the same chapter. I'm not going dealing with all of it. And the other lamb shalt thou offer at the evening. You shall do according to the meat offering in the morning, to the drink offering thereof for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering through your generations. At the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, I will meet you to speak there unto thee. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. And I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord. Now if this is the children of Israel on a journey and God has a desire to dwell in them, what about us in this end time as the Holy Spirit circles the earth looking for somebody that he can come and dwell on? Matthew chapter 5, just moving quickly. Matthew chapter 5, you can, this is the Beatitudes, the, on the, the Sermon on the Mount. You can maybe take some time one day and just read the first 12 verses about what's blessed in the eyes of God. Not what your flesh feels, but what's blessed in the eyes of God. You know, there's, there's many of them that are negative. You can say the, those that are poor in spirit, them that mourn, that are meek, but blessed are those that hunger and thirst. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they which are persecuted. And when men revile you, persecute you, 
Rejoice and be glad. Now, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. Oh, hey, that's great. Hey, what, what is it that makes you salty? Is it, is it you? God just pick you because you're a nice guy or a nice gal or... No, contrary. As we said in the morning, there was no good thing in Ed Hammermeister. They could say, well, he's in a good family. No, there was no good thing in Ed Hammermeister. Without a new birth, I am nothing. And he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Oh, my goodness, every revelation, everything you do in the body. I, I, this is not the service for it today. But every part of the, the manifestation of Christ in the body needs to be done through Christ. Revelations, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12. Paul talks about nine spiritual gifts that are there for the body. And he says, they're all a manifestation of one spirit. One spirit. Not look what I got. No. One spirit. And he says diversities of gifts, difference in administrations, but one spirit. Amen. And then he actually talks in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Out of all of these that you would prophesy or that you would have this. And, and he begins to talk. Go and read it sometime. But here's, here's, the, here's the amazing thing about those two chapters. Right in the middle is 1 Corinthians 13. Beloved, I show you a more excellent way. And Paul would say in, in, in 1 Corinthians, though I speak with tongues, though I do all of these things, and I have not Christ, it profits me nothing. If we don't have that savor, if we don't have that love inside, if we don't have that something that's reaching out, friends, it's not that brotherly love is evil. Brotherly love will take you a long ways. Filial love will take you a long ways. But there's nothing like the love of God. When that comes down on you, when that enters your prayer life, when that enters your words, your actions, brotherly love, brotherly love pales in comparison. And not that it's evil. It's good. It has to be there. He says, if you have lost, if it's lost his savor, savior, savor, savor is the taste. Actually, I wanted to entitle this, the savior has become our savor. He's dwelling in us. The one that saved you is also the one that shows himself through you. He said, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden underfoot of men. You are the light of a world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse 16, let your light shine so before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There's more I could read with all of these things, but I'm just trying to bring it to a point where that he is all in all. Christ in the center uh, you know, what is the new birth, Brother Branham asked? Well, Christ, and I'm not going to repeat it correctly. No, I'm not. I just lost it. But Christ is the center of your revelation. When you have him and you see him in you. And when you see yourself driving down the road and somebody cuts you off and you don't raise your fist right away. 
When you see him waiting in a coffee lineup and it's too long or when you're, you're trying to do something, that's when you know you have him. And when you find yourself anxious, say, oh, Lord, give me a little more of you. I, 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 this has gotten so quiet here in me, I'm, I'm having a hard time here. Are you all there this morning? Just to test out what I'm doing, punch the guy. No, don't do it. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> hey, you know, it's, it's amazing. What's the great overriding factor in the middle of Satan's Eden? And, and the Bible says offenses must come. And things will happen. God will bring tensions into a church. God will do things that way. You know, he'll have one pull this way, one go that way, one this way. God will do all. But what's the great overriding factor? Perfect love. If you don't have perfect love, perfect love. And, and the prophet would say it this way in, in the adoption series. He says, many, he says, the whole thing is bundled up now. I've taught on this many times, but the thing I want to get to you is this, that a man that's in Christ with the Holy Ghost can bear a man when he's wrong, he's long-suffering, he's gentle, he's patient, he's sweet, even though everything's going wrong. He's humble, he's faithful, he's filled with the Spirit, never negative, always positive. You know what I need to do? He's a different person. Don't look for the negative in every situation. It's there. It's obvious sometimes. But look at the positive. Lord, there's something good in this. And, and you know what? Maybe take the person that's least respected in your eyes and look for something positive in him. Because I'll tell you what, the disciples had to do that in the book of Acts, chapter 2, when Peter stood up, men and brethren, and they go, this is the guy that denied Christ. This is the guy that did such and such. But... There was something in him. He repented. He did things. Find that place. Listen, this is just a little admonition. Following behind the oneness of unity. Go with me just for a minute to Ezekiel. Or sorry, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. No, sorry. Ephesians 5. I'm sorry. Ephesians 5. I had a friend, I wasn't born again at the time, but he was a good buddy. And uh, we'd get together, we'd have great times, we'd do this, we'd do this, and, and then we got a job together out of town. And, and we roommated together, it was in Edson actually, while we were working out at a mine, this was many years ago. And this good buddy that I love to be with, now you're with him 24-7, now when you get up in the morning to use the shower, he just gets past you and he beats you to it and he's there for 20 minutes while you're waiting. He buys this kind of cheese and I don't like that kind of cheese. Oh, this never happens to any of you? Hey, how, how are we ever going to come into unity? Is it going to be based on who gets the shower first or who buys the right kind of cheese? Or you know, It's going to take a lot more than just what I think. It's going to take him outside of what I think, but in me. So, Ephesians chapter 5, as we pick this up, just, just winding my thoughts down, I'm just about there. Ephesians chapter 5, let's just read this, verse 21. 
Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, this is not just about wives and husbands. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the body, and he is the Savior of the body. So he's the Savior of your brother and your sister. He's the Savior of every one of us here. But he also is the Savior. He's also the common denominator among us. He's the one that's in the middle of all of us. 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's just start reading from verse 2. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm at the wrong place. Hang on. Let's start reading from verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, chosen of God and precious, you as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So, now what's he talking about? You're lively stones. You're the house. You're the temple. The message doesn't dwell in, in some tapes and books in some, some hallowed hall in Jeffersonville. The message dwells in people. The message is in vessels that are subject to mistakes, but it's there. It's the Spirit of God. Like the ark of old, we're full of holes. But when he pours himself in, we need to go back and sing that song as we come to the close. You are my all in all. When I am weak, when I don't know, when I'm cast down, when I don't know these things, he comes. When I don't know what to do, he comes. When I, when I can't figure out what's going on, he's there. He's the stability. I was telling another brother, he's a pastor in a church, and he's talking about something that was in his church, and, and he, we, Brother Harold said this years ago too, but he says, thankfully, not everybody in the church goes through a trial at the same time. Could you imagine that service? When the minister gets up that morning, and it feels like everybody is going through a trial at the same time? Okay, must be at least 75% here this morning. Or, could you imagine the service when everybody's on the mountaintop? <laughs> the song leader can't get off the pulpit because the pull is so great. I think the balance is somewhere in the middle. Thank God that he knows how to balance it all off. So are we also within ourselves. Hey, I don't feel like singing this morning. Sing anyway. Hey, offer spiritual sacrifice. I've done it many times. Oh, I, I didn't like that song. Well, sing it anyhow. Why did Brother Ed get onto this subject this morning? Just amen anyway. Why? You're not looking to me. You're not looking to the song leader. You're not looking to your conditions. You're looking to Christ, the all in all. He's the goal. He's the one that we're looking at. Oh, the book of Acts. We refer to it often. Oh, a book of Acts church. A book of Acts church. Okay, let's examine that just for a moment. Paul and Barnabas had two different thoughts. The dissension was so great, one went this way and one went that way. Book of Acts Church. 
Yeah, Book of Acts church, and oh, this happened in the church over there, and this happened over there. But I also find in the book of Acts, they came together in one accord. They came together in one unity, not just on the day of Pentecost, but many times thereafter. They put aside things, and they said, Lord, let me see Jesus. All I want to see is Jesus. Don't let me get too lifted up. You know, under the Corinthian church, I only go to services where Apollos is. And no, no, I only go where Paul is. And, 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 and you're, all of a sudden you're polarizing. Hang on a second. Paul is part of Christ. Apollos is part of Christ. Why, why do we have to go on these limbs? It was like the brother was saying the other day. He says, you know, you get asked the question, what's more important, the Bible or the message? If you had to choose, that's a stupid question. What's more important when you breathe? Breathe in or breathe out? There's your answer. <laughs> hey, they're one and the same. <laughs> Pardon my carnality, but it's true. Christ is the all in all. So he says, listen, we'll wind up with this scripture. I got others, but I, I'm going to let you out here. So he says, offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Drop down to verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. As the musicians come, you know, when you get in prayer, and Brother Bram would say, you know you've prayed through when everybody looks good to you. That means, it, it could mean yourself. It could mean the irritant in your, in your flesh that's there at your job. It could mean your, your enemy you know, it could mean even someone in the church. We're not all going to be buddy-buddy according to the flesh. But you're going to look good and say, thank God that you called them, Lord. Listen, I had to fight through. I just, I just started listening to a service, and, and, and a brother was ministering, and got down to a train of thought that I felt was a bit negative and I couldn't identify with. And I said, well, Lord, you know, maybe, you know, that's just the way he sees it, and I'll, I'll just... And all of a sudden, he broke into another channel, and I go... Thank you, Lord, that I didn't jump the gun too soon. There's something in there that was good for me. You know, the devil is a master at scarecrows. He knows what, you know, you, you, you have a scarecrow. First of all, what does the name scarecrow mean? Scare away crows. Are we, if you're scared away, you're identifying yourself. A scarecrow scares crows, but we're eagles. He says, that's where the best beans are sometimes. Devil will tell you, I got a disease, you got, he says, you got cancer, you got this, you got that. Well, if I have it, I, I, there'd be some evidence of it. So don't believe his report. Believe what God says about you. He's, he's ridiculous. He'll, he'll come and tell you a thousand lies. And we'll start to feel this way. And God will come and tell you one truth, and, and, and it, he obscures it in all these lies. But oh, I thank God, he's my all in all. He's my everything. You look at the Bible. I want to just, just read this one last thing here. And I've used it before, and I'm not going to read all of it, but I just want to take it for a moment. 
And if you take, take, take this as an article, and now I don't even have it here. We'll leave it. But you take the books of the Bible, and, and I've used it before. But in Genesis, he was the seed of the woman. In Deuteronomy, it was two laws. In Hosea, it was the love of God through a prophet. But it was all a representation of Christ. In Ruth, it was the kinsman redeemer. In all of these books in the Bibles, it was Christ. That was the principal theme. In, in, in the book of Joel, it was him, the, the, the restorer. It was in, in Ezekiel, it was him who was, who was the, the one that would, would take these bones and make them live again. It's always been him. I, I don't know about your life, but I, I, I believe I'm going to get on the other side there and I'm going to look back and say, you know, this was a junction that I thought was pretty rough. And I'm going to look and I bet you I'll see him there. I bet you I'll, I'll look at times where I thought I was all alone and I'll see standing somewhere in the shadows was Jesus. Oh, friends, we're, we're, we're in an age where we're, we're not going to manufacture this ourselves. But we need to just step back and say, Lord... We want to see Jesus. Is that your wish this morning? Is that your desire? Even coming up to services. I want to see Jesus. I appreciate Brother Ron Spencer, but I want to see Jesus. I like Brother Ray Erickson, as stable a man as I've ever met, but I want to see Jesus. Appreciate Brother Nathan, a young man who's just raising up, but I want to see Jesus. And I come to the meetings, we'll hear specials, we'll, but I want to see Jesus. Let's stand together this morning. Thank you for bearing with me. We were here on behalf of him. You know, we're coming. If we can, if we can do this, and I'll, I'll just say it this way. The mathematics of the Bible, when you come in unity, are exponential. In other words, it's not just one plus one equals two. Because Jesus would say, one of you will chase ten. Two of you will chase a thousand. Now, you present that to your math teacher when you go back in in, to school in September and see what they say. They'll say, you're crazy. Science has proven, just play something softly, Sister Angie. They, science has proven that you take a, a horses, the draft horses. They're the horses that pull weight. One horse can pull 8,000 pounds. So the math would tell you Two horses pulling together can pull 16,000 pounds. But that's not the way it is. You put two horses together, you yoke them, and they can pull 24,000 pounds. One is eight, two is 24. Three, if you train them to move in sync and in harmony, they can pull up to 32,000 pounds. Now the devil knows that if we, if, if this church gets into a unity, he's defeated. And so he'll do everything he can to break down unity, to leave little differences, to leave little phobias, questions. But if we can say, I may not see eye to eye, but I'm going to stand beside my brother. I'm going to stand beside my sister. Why? Because I want to see him. He's the all in all. All I want to see is Jesus. Go ahead. All I want.
to see is Jesus. All I want to see is Him in me. Oh, all I want to see is Jesus.
will say, I need more of him. I need more of him. We need more of him. The enemy's constantly trying to find a little place. Give me more of you, Jesus. We're going to sing that more of you, more of you. Brother Ernie, I'm going to ask you to come and close in prayer right away. Let me share this. Thinking man's filter. As the days grow closer and closer and the narrowing of the path, we want to go closer together. May we be just one, one body. We must move together. Forgetting one another's sins and our differences and just sticking closer and closer and closer. Brother Branham was speaking in the word made flesh. It's the India report. And there was somebody who'd caused him great grief. And he said, I saw they were wrong. And I developed a critical spirit against them. And he said, God can't use me like that. And he said, it's not my business to correct them when I'm like that. But he said, let God work with them. Oh, how often our hurts, our viewpoint. Give me more of Jesus. I need more of you. He said, assembling ourselves together with all accord in one heart. And if a brother, a sister gets out of the way in any way, don't do nothing but pray for that person. And in love, always considering one another. Don't never let one of you get away. Stay together. And if you can, add more to it constantly, all the time. Oh, that's not very deep, brother. Oh, it's far deeper than we think it is. More of you, more of you, Brother Ernie, if you come. More of you. Of the